What did you do? Me. <laughs> hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on May 3rd, we will be discussing Wild Sign, the latest book in the Alpha and Omega series by Patricia Briggs. Then, on May 10th, we'll be playing a game we're calling the Goodreads Game. What in the world is that, you ask? Tune in to find out. And don't forget, we have a Patreon now. Some of the perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free miniseries and bonus content, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Now, on with the show! Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are diving into some of our favorite book quotes. Uh, I had trouble narrowing down any book quotes because apparently I don't write down book quotes. And I was like, dang, I have to go find some book quotes. But then once I got into it, I was like, oh, I had a whole bunch of stuff highlighted on my Kindle that I didn't realize I had highlighted. And even the stuff I get from the library, Goodreads saves it. That's something I highlighted, which I found awesome. So... I feel really good and smart and had a really fun time doing this. Yeah, this is probably the hardest list that we have done for me because I don't write down book quotes either and I don't do a lot of ebooks. So oh. I don't have all those nice little quotes highlighted already. And I had a really hard time with this list because of all that. And I just had to like sit down and Google. I like I went on Goodreads and went, okay. What books have I read lately that I really enjoyed? (laughs) And Googled quotes from this book. And Goodreads, if you're actually (laughs) on a computer, they have uh, special pages of just quotes for every book. And so that was kind of nice. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where I got a lot of mine pulled from because I I don't write down book quotes either. Good to know for both of us that we both did not write down book quotes ever. But hey, at least now we got each have 10 book quotes, right? Exactly. Perfect. Well, what? Oh, you have like pages. That's adorable. Oh, you have one with the page number. Okay, good. I was feeling like, oh, I did not get that fancy. Okay. I only have a page number for my first one because I happened to be reading this when I started gathering quotes for this list. Okay. That is the only reason I have a page number for this one. Cause I had the physical book and I came across the quote as I was reading and went, Oh dang. And so I wrote it down. One thing I do have to know, because I was snooping around our list, I feel pretty proud of us that we have pretty diverse books from one another and we didn't choose the same books. I noticed, I think we both picked one book, but we each picked a different quote from it. Right. We did a good job. We did. Okay, Abby, hit me with your first quote. All right. So this first quote is from The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter. This is page 138. The Fires of Vengeance is the second book in 
the Rage of Dragons series. Rage is love twisted in on itself. Rage reaches into the world when we can no longer contain the hurt of being treated as if our life and love do not matter. Rage and its consequences are what we get when the world refuses to change for anything less. And dang, that one just rages love twisted in on itself. I had never considered that, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm like, I am currently listening to this book. I don't remember that at all. Um, you probably haven't gotten to it yet. It's towards the end. That's why mm-hmm. it says page one thirty eight. I'm like, I'm like, I am like six hours into this book. It's a good twelve or fourteen hour book. Maybe I wrote down the wrong page number. That's also possible. You, you had you, you had to because that's like way. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like that book right now and remember that happening yet in this book okay i probably wrote the page number down wrong so ignore that i don't okay we won't we we won't fight semantics here semantics 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 but man the the rage is love twisted in on itself that is like that is something yeah i know right like that actually made me pause and like set the book down and reread that a couple times because you don't think of rage and love as being opposites but when you put it like that Mm -hmm. it makes complete sense like holy cow (laughs) and especially in the context of this book because these are very if you guys have not read rage of dragons or the fires of vengeance by evan winter they're very violent books they're very intense novels and one of the most intense emotions that you feel is going to be love and anger and rage is anger so Mm -hmm. yeah because uh the first book especially is all about the main character's quest for vengeance Mm -hmm. and so he's very much fueled by rage and he's the one that says this quote and so it's just oh wow (sighs) That really just made me stop and think for a long minute about how different emotions are actually opposites of other emotions, but you don't necessarily think of them that way. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to get there. Yeah. Very good book. All right. So what was your first one then? Okay. So my first one I feel like is so stereotypical that I feel nearly ashamed, but it's truly like when I think of one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite book quotes is this. Are you prepared? I'm prepared. Harry, I think I've just understood something. I've got to get to the library. And she sprinted away up the stairs. What does she understand? Said Harry distractedly, still looking around, trying to tell where the voice had come from. Loads more than I do, said Ron, shaking his head. But why she got to go to the library? Because that's what Hermione does, said Ron, shrugging. When in doubt, go to the library. Right there. That whole thing. I love that scene. I love Hermione's aha moment as she dashes through the castle to the library because she had an epiphany. Obviously, that is from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling, just in case you don't know. But I, I, just, I just have a thing about Hermione and her passion of the library and how much she loves it. And, you know... During this book, like, 
is it's just perfect. She just she just had that moment and off she went. I do love that moment in Chamber of Secrets. That is a very good one. It's so classic Hermione. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love every single book merch that says when in doubt, go to the library. Like I want to buy it all. And I resist. I resist buying it all because I don't need everything that says when in doubt, go to the library. But I sure do want it. Are you sure you don't need it? I need less crap. Let's be real. <laughs> Touche. I think we could all do with less stuff. I know. All right, Abby, your turn. Tell me your next favorite quote. All right. So my next quote is, even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, without caring two pence how often it has been told before, you will, nine times out of ten, become original without ever having noticed it. And that is C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. I love this quote because when I write in the times that I have time to write, (laughs) the (sighs) feeling that I am not original does plague me a bit, especially when I've written something and I've read it over too many times. And it, for me, becomes, you know, I know what's going to happen. This is not interesting anymore. But this quote reminds me that it doesn't matter. It reminds me that, you know, you've just read this too many times. And it doesn't matter if you're using the same tropes that a zillion other people have used. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're telling the same kind of story with the same storyline that so many other people have already used. If you're writing a story that is coming from you, that's all you got to do. And you may not think it's original, but if somebody else reads it, they might. Mm -hmm. It's true. And like even all of the books that we read, especially fairy tale retellings, I mean, they're taking a base idea, but they're putting their own spin in it. And I love it, you know? with that because it's, it's your is what you've written is your opinion and as long as you're not blatantly plagiarizing somebody it's going to be great exactly i like that quote that is a good quote thank you i'm really partial to it all right what about you all right so i might butcher the names of some of these but this is like one of my favorite this really, this, what I'm going to read really stood out to me when I read this book, okay? I'm going to do my best with the names. Here we go. Months later, in a different world, Nakuma will look back on this evening, the last Passover, when they were nearly all together and wished with every cell of her body that she could relive it. She remembered the familiar smell of the gopliti, the chink of the silver on porcelain, the taste of parsley, the briny and bitter on her tongue. She will long for the touch of Delicious, baby soft skin, the weight of Jacob's hand on hers beneath the table, the wine-induced warmth in the pit of her belly that begged her to believe that everything might actually turn out to be all right in the end. She remember how happy Helena looked at the piano after their meal and how they danced together and how they all spoke of missing Addie, assuring each other that he'd be home soon. She would play it all over and over again, every beautiful moment of it and savor it like one last perfect Cups of pears in the seasons. So that's from We Were the Lucky Ones from Georgia Hunter. And it's like the very beginning scene where I would say like the second chapter 
where they're celebrating Passover in probably 1939, right before the Holocaust really started at their home. And it's just that moment of foreshadow, you know, yeah. Um, especially months later in a different world. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going in reading a World War II book, it's not, oh, it's not a happy ending. It's not pretty, usually. You know, and like going into this, reading about a Jewish family, and you're just, it's, this is like just such a beautiful family moment. It's just like when, you know, like we get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and it's like, you know, when you're really with your family and you're feeling all that love, but you also have that big dark shadow coming as well. And I love the descriptions of this whole scene, just, mm-hmm. you know, the chink of the silver on the porcelain, the baby soft skin, you know, remembering dancing. I don't know. It, I just found this like it was one of my most remembered scenes in that book. Mm-hmm. Well, because you know what's coming before you even read any further into the book, you know, they're not going to see Addie for a really long time and having that contrast of this last Passover together where everybody's happy and everybody's well fed and everybody's in good health versus what you know is coming with starvation and torture and not even being in their own home anymore. Just, yeah. It's heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't decide if I should be sad or feel, you know, good because it's that good family time all together and all that love's being poured. And you're just like, what do I pick? Which emotion is this going to be? What should I do? Yeah, it's like getting all the warm fuzzies and then you have this layer of just like sad bitterness over it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that was such a good book. I love that book. I'm so mm-hmm. happy I chose to do that one as an audiobook. Now, that's also one that I'm like, could I listen to that book again? And I'm like, oh, maybe not for a few years. But it was so, I mean, there's some scenes that are just so good. And there's some that I had to speed up through because I couldn't handle it because <laughs> it was so intense. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so if you guys haven't, read that book we did do an episode on that book and it was such a good book yes it was holy cow was that a good book mm-hmm. all right abby hit me with your next quote all right so you were talking before about very cliche quotes and this one is always the quote i think of when i think of book quotes and It's from The Two Towers by J.R.O. Tolkien. And so it's like as cliche as you can get in fantasy. But I could not leave it off this list because it's so poignant. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? In the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. 
that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. I mean, if I pick the cliche quote, you too have picked a cliche quote. But it's such a good quote. Like that is, I mean, let's be real. I'm going to say it. That's a good scene in the movie as well. So, mm-hmm. and it's such a good scene in that book. Oh my God, The Two Towers, though, that book kicked my butt. I I had to stop reading that book and pick it up again later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really like this one because it's just so hopeful and reminding you that there is something bigger to fight for in the world. And even if you're in a dark place right now, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to stay that way. You just have to hold on. So, I mean, I know it's cliche, but there's a reason it's cliche because it's a good quote. It is a really good quote. Well, and I mean, I think my favorite part of it is really folk in these stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. They kept going because they're holding on to something that there is some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Like, I love that. Like just that right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And even darkness must pass and a new day will come. All of it. Yep. That even darkness must pass and a new day will come. That's the part that always gets me. Mm. Like just that reminder of this isn't forever. So tell me about your next one then. All right. So this is from one that you have not read yet. Okay. I'm going to hit you. All right. Mm-hmm. Between life and death, there's a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would be if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? Mm. Love that. Is this from the Midnight Library? It is from the Midnight Library. This is a newer book within the last last year i'm pretty sure it came out this was one of my first books i read for 2021 oh so delicious such a good book i enjoy magical realism i don't like it as much as fantasy obviously but i love just you know things that could have been what ifs it's a what if story what if you had done one thing differently what would those actions have led you to do and it was so good and I just love this description that between life and death, there is a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Mm. That is such a cool description. It is. I'm going to read that book this year. You should read it. It's really good. I'm going to. I own it. Loved it. Mm. Yeah, that's a very cool description. Mm, I like that. It is. And it's just like... If I was Catholic, then I would believe in purgatory. And for the main character, this this was basically her purgatory was a library. Mm-hmm. And within that library was every chance of every possible life that she could have lived. Oh, so cool. Such a cool concept. Hmm. You'll get there soon. Yes. 
Yes. This year, hopefully. <laughs> you need to. It's sitting on my dresser on my stack of books that stare at me every time I walk into my bedroom and go, you haven't read us yet. (laughs) So my next quote, all people at root are time optimists. We always think there's enough time to do things with other people, time to say things to them. And then something happens. And then we stand there holding on to words like if. Mm. I feel like this ties in so well with my Midnight Library book quote. Anyway, sorry. This quote is from a man called Uva by Frederick Bachman. And this particular quote really hit me because my dad passed away in February. And when somebody that is close to you passes away, you catch yourself thinking about all the what ifs. And I saw a lot of my dad in Uva. And when I was reading it, I kept thinking about him. And yeah, it just, it doesn't matter what role they played in your life. If they were close to you, you're going to think about the ifs and the conversations that you never had with them, the things you wish you would have had a chance to tell them. Even if you had closure for yourself at the ending, even if when they passed, you felt at peace with them and their passing, those things are still going to pop into your mind at the most random times. And so this quote is one that just really hit home for me recently. Yeah, I can, I feel like there's a lot of baggage in this quote. There is. But I think there's always going to be what if. Yeah, I think there's always going to be what if, no matter what situation, especially with people, you know? Mm-hmm. We always need enough time to do the things with other people. And then time just keeps slipping through our fingers, right? Right. Well, and even if you spend every day with a person and you experience everything in life with this other person, if they die before you do, you're still going to be thinking about conversations that you want to have and you're going to experience things and wish they were there with you. And that's just part of being alive mm-hmm. sorry that was a bit of a downer there well I'll bring us to an, an upper from that book okay okay sounds good all right so I'm not like a super duper romancy lovey person but I really love Sonia and Ove and their romance and their love and their marriage so this is coming out of Sonia To love someone is like moving into a house, Anya used to say. At first you fall in love and everything new, you wonder every morning that this is one's own. As if they're afraid that someone will suddenly come tumbling through the door and say that this has been a serious mistake and that it simply was not meant to live so fine. But as years go by and the facade worn and the wood cracks here and there, you start to love this house. Not so much for all the ways it was perfect, but in the ways that it is not. You become familiar with all the nooks and the crannies. 
how to avoid that the key gets stuck in the lock if it gets cold outside, which floorboards have some give when you step on them, exactly how to open the doors for them so they don't creak. That's it. All the little secrets that make it your home. And also it's from a man called Uwe. But I like that. Like, you know, you start a new relationship, you start a new marriage and everything is perfect. But then as it starts to get lived in and worn, you start to figure out all the little things that make it tick. You know, all the things that, you know, you got to get up in the middle of the night and go pee and you make sure you try to be quiet for the other person so you don't wake them up. But also what the little things that make the other person happy and the little things that just make life more enjoyable with that person. Mm-hmm. I adore that description of a relationship because it's so true. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they always talk about like, the foundation of your relationship and you know the foundation of a house if it's not secure that whole house is going to come down at some point yeah and yeah I love the idea of the more you live in the house the more worn by time but still cared for it can be and just oh that's a great visual I I loved that mm-hmm I really feel if you have, if you're listening to this episode, you've not read the the book, The Man Called Uwe, for one, we've done an episode on it. And for two, it is one of those books that is such a beautiful description of life and description of aging. And it's this great, beautiful love and how it transformed this man's life. And when his shining light left him, how empty he felt but then he refound purpose again and it's just such 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 this I can't even describe how good of a book this is and just how much I loved it mm-hmm. this is honestly one of the best books I've ever read it is it's it just mm. I I would say it's probably um Frederick Backman's masterpiece but that's my personal opinion all right so My last quote before the break, I think is a pretty sweet little quote. It is also about relationships. Many boys will bring you flowers, but someday you'll meet a boy who will learn your favorite flower, your favorite song, your favorite sweet. And even if he's too poor to give you any of them, it won't matter because he will have taken the time to know you as no one else does. Only that boy earns your heart. And that's from Six of Crow by Lee Bardugo. I love that. I love that quote. I love that scene. I know exactly where it came from. Oh, yes. I love everything about that. Yes. Sorry. You can talk about it. It's your quote. (laughs) That is such a, a great thing to keep in mind when you are starting into a relationship. It's not about what the other person has. It's about how much they care about you as a person and how much they should want to learn about you and know everything about you. And it's not about the physical stuff. It's not about the material stuff because if they don't bother to learn about you, it's like the foundation of a house. That's not a good foundation. It's not solid. That relationship is going to come crashing down. And so I just, mm, it's so cute. I just, I love it so much. It is so good. And I love the fact that it's, I mean, like this 
book has like five main characters that you follow, but it's the one of the char- main characters' dad telling her this. I was, I guess, a proverb from where she's from, and it's just, I don't know, it's just like parental advice, like the best kind of parental advice given to your child. Hmm. Well, and it's even more sweet that it's a dad telling this to his daughter, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the kind of advice parents should be giving. I strive to get that kind of advice someday, you know? I aspire to give advice this good someday. <laughs> Precisely. All right, so what's your last quote? Well, I'm going to leave us on one of my favorite quotes I've ever read that you too enjoyed until you hated the book. <laughs> People like you must create. If you don't create Bernadette, you will become a menace to society. And this is from Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Simple. I hate that you hated the book because of one stupid plot point that, thank God, got taken out of the movie. But I love that quote because I feel like that quote is so prevalent to creative people. Creative people, when you don't give them an outlet, they're bad news, man. They get into so much trouble. Like putting up signs that say, what, bugger off or your mosquito or some kind of random crap and causing landslides down the the hill. All sorts of crazy nonsense in that book. But I just really love that quote. As much as I ended up hating this book, I adore that quote because when I read it, it basically struck me right in the heart because... <sighs> If I go too long without doing something creative, I feel like a menace to society because just like all my positive energy and my happy thoughts start to not exist anymore. And that's bad. (laughs) And it just, yes, I am a menace to the world when I don't create for long periods of time, I can't imagine not creating anything for 10 years like Bernadette did. And yes, holy cow. I think they're just lucky she didn't burn the whole town down. Honestly. (laughs) I mean, she found creative ways for her outlet, creative outlet. I don't know. She, man, was she bad? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. Um, as much as I hated the book, I felt that quote in my soul. All right, everyone. So that is the first half of the favorite of our favorite book quotes, which I mean, for me, a lot of his favorite scenes, but whatever I tried. When we come back, I will give you my final five and Abby will also do the same. We'll see you in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hello, everybody. I'm Megan. And I'm Samantha. With Literary Lushes. And we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times we even have the authors on, including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that, we say stay Stay lively with your libations. Welcome back, guys. We are going to do the second half of our top 10 favorite book quotes. So my sixth quote, even the strongest and bravest must sometimes weep. It shows they have a great heart, one that can feel compassion for others. That is from Red Wall by Brian Jakes, which we also did an episode on. 
I just love this because as a middle grade book, it's the first introduction a lot of kids will have to big strong warriors. And there's this issue in a lot of fantasy books where the big strong warriors can't show emotion or don't show it well or have poor outlets for their emotions. And I just appreciate this quote because it shows the difference between Brian Jakes's main characters and the warriors in his stories and how emotionally soft they were. Not that they were weak, but that they felt things and they weren't afraid to show them. He never wrote it as a weakness. It was always a strength, always. And I just really appreciate seeing that in a middle grade book because it's not usually something that's really touched on, you know? Well, I mean, a lot of it is too, is uh, my first thought when I heard, well, when I heard you say this and I read it as well, is just emotional intelligence, understanding yourself, understanding your feelings, understanding how to really, you know, regulate them, but also how to feel them, how to really express that. And I feel, especially like our generation, that was not very much touched on at all. I feel like a lot of people in their 30s or really late 20s into early 40s, we all are in touch with our emotions sometimes versus like the generation where my Girl Scouts are, they're very much all the touchy-feely, all the feelings. And then like our parents have no feelings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like we're kind of like getting out of that. You have to be strong and stoic that, no, like you, you should feel your feelings all the way through because... There's a lot that there and you need to process it. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially since I have two little boys, I'm okay-ish with my own emotions. So I, I do my best to like make sure when they're legitimately crying about something that I give them the vocabulary to talk through it mm -hmm. and like try to help them logically think through the emotions because that's what I try to do with my own emotions most of the time even if it doesn't help me because <laughs> that's just how my brain works like my emotions start freaking out in the logical half of my brain goes are we done with this yet <laughs> yeah I understand that feeling it's like okay well that was a fun emotional roller coaster and carrying on goodbye next yeah I have been known to tell James like in the middle of a breakdown, I'll just look at him and go, I know this is stupid, but I have to get it out. <laughs> and I've literally told him in the middle of breakdowns, you can't do anything. I just have to write this out. And I'll be fine. Just let me get out all the feelings, right? We can do the logic thing after I cry. It's fine. <laughs> God. Poor, poor James. That's a lot to handle. Oh, he's good about it, though. That's good. But yeah, emotional maturity. Yes. Emotional indulgence, for sure. Yeah. All of that. All, all important things that we are all discovering that we actually need to have to be functional adults. I know. It's amazing. All right. So what's your next one? Okay. So I just finished this reading this book with a 
few of my friends and it was a very not a book I would normally pick up but my friend recommended it and then we all read it together because that's just how life happens mm-hmm. and it's cool I just really enjoyed this perspective it's, it's a deep quote so we're, we're going deep apparently with our first quotes in the second half here we go that these people would leave their homes their cultures their families even their languages and venture into a tremulous peril risking their very lives, offered a chance to get to the dream of some faraway country that doesn't even want them. So this is from the book American Dirt by Janine Cummins. And it's all about the story of a mom and her son who are fleeing a Mexican cartel to make it across the border to hopefully preserve what's left of their family. It's in the opening scene not really a spoiler but opening scene um 16 members of her family are killed at her niece's quinceanera oh dang i can't say it quinceanera Mm, butchered it but the spanish or mexican celebration for the 15th birthday that's very prevalent Mm -hmm. and it was just like that quote stirred up a lot of emotions stirred up a lot of feelings and me just just some of the attitude and reception that I've seen how people treat refugees and immigrants and like they don't want to leave their countries but they're something has forced them to do so to come here to the great America mm-hmm. and just the last bit the the country that doesn't even want them when we're a country built on immigration that we're a huge melting pot and just that quote made me it made me have feelings and I cried. Okay. That quote made me cry when I read it. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, that quote also puts me in mind of things in the history of the world, like all the Jews fleeing and becoming refugees and going into other countries where they weren't at all wanted or treated like citizens would be. Not even just America, but like throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it a lot in Germany with it's the Middle Eastern popula- population that moved into Germany, that there's a lot of strife with them coming. I can't remember what it was. When we went there, we learned about it, but it's not one. I mean, we, we see it all over. Like people don't want to leave their country, but they need to have asylum somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that's, that's a quote that stuck out with me very recently that I can't shake. I mean, yeah, that's that's a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your next one? Is it as heavy as the two we have dropped? For we have dropped two pretty darn heavy quotes here. Um, not, not quite as heavy. Um, <laughs> the quote is, remember that a sword does not need to be wetted at all hours to keep it sharp. And that is from the book I literally just finished before we started recording, The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. And I like this quote because in the context, the character that is being spoken to has been training her whole life for this one goal. And she is so focused on this one goal that she can't do anything else except train for it and run herself ragged. And she gets herself so wound up in it that 
she finally snaps a little on one of her friends and goes, how can you be having fun when we're supposed to be here for training? Because her friend is going out into the town and actually like enjoying herself a little bit in the evenings and they have a fight. And so somebody else comes and talks to the main character and she's wetting her sword at the time of the discussion and just says, remember Tane, that a sword does not need to be wetted at all hours to keep it sharp and just walks away. And it's just a good reminder that yes, we have goals. Yes, there are things that we want to get done, but they cannot be our only focus 24 seven. Otherwise you're just gonna end up hurting yourself in the long run because life is about balance. It's about more than just one thing. I don't know, Abby. My life is pretty much about books, so (laughs) I don't know about that. I mean, books is a big focus, but you also have a focus for your husband and your kids and your pets and your job. Listen, so my husband and I like to read Discworld together. He's currently reading through The Witcher, so books. Um, When I spend time with my kids, I spend time reading books with them. Unless you mention work. Oh, I talk about books a lot at work as well. I'm currently reading a book recommendation from a coworker and talking to her about it. What else did you mention? What else can I tell you? Goes back to books. Pets. Pets. Oh. Mm, pets. Oh. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Well, eventually sometimes the kids will read the their books to the pets to get confidence <laughs> in reading out loud. Mm, yes, yes, okay. All right, try and stab my point in the foot. Just, (laughs) you know what I meant. (laughs) I do. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I, you were talking about this and it reminded me of Tao from um, Rage of Dragons and just his single, his singular minded um, training that he did. Mm -hmm. I know the whole point is like the sword's not be wetted at all hours to keep it sharp. But I also have a lot of admiration for that character in Tao and just their dedication to their training and their drive. Like, I know they're being driven more by external factors, but I also am just like, mm. dang, man, like that, that is some dedication. It's, a, it's admirable. Well, and don't get me wrong. I definitely admire the dedication and the focus that it takes to train as hard as she was. But at the same time, she wound herself so tight that she thought her friends were doing something wrong by not training 24-7. She was basically not sleeping because she was training that hard and couldn't sleep because she couldn't rest enough to actually like lay down. She felt like she was missing the opportunity to train more because she had to sleep kind of thing. So it was like it was literally running her ragged to a bad point. And so it's just one of those, like, yeah, on the one hand, focus and ambition and dedication to a goal is great, but you have to temper it at a certain point or you're going to hurt yourself and lose your life balance kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't read all day. Got it. So I should stop texting you saying, gee, I should quit my job and read all day. Got it. Okay, that's what this was about. It was intervention. Got it. This was my very subtle intervention, yes. <laughs> I can tell. Good job. 
Thanks. <laughs> okay. So this next one, you're going to have to beep out. There's some bad words in that, okay? Okay. I don't have a beep anymore. It'll literally just be me going beep. <laughs> okay. I just want. I'm dead serious. Oh, that sounds great. That's fine. All right. So okay. when I read this, it just made me giggle because I was also, well, I, I was also, this is an audiobook quote. And here I go, okay? I don't know where old girl found a bikini that big, but she's got Maxim, don't give a beep mode engaged. And I'm surfing on her beep wave. And I was like, <laughs> I just kind of giggled. Um, just because <laughs> this is part of. Okay, so it was from the book, The City We Became by um, N.K. Jemison. And this is part of the story of the Bronx, if I remember correctly. And she is just this bomb, awesome older lady who just just is done giving any kind of S for anyone. And... I don't know. I just, whenever I, I, her chapters were probably my favorite chapter. She's probably my favorite character. And I just love just how she's just like, yeah, here anymore. Like, this is how it was going to be. I'm 60 and I'm your elder. So here's how it was going. And just like that, I want to be just the no F's given when I'm 60 as well. I mean, that quote makes me laugh too. I told you it was funny. <laughs> oh may we have that much confidence when we are that age i hope so my next quote is uh from spinning silver by naomi novick but i had not known that i was strong enough to to do any of those things until they were over and i had done them i had to do the work first not knowing and that one kind of gets me with things like, it makes me think of like us starting this podcast. Like I had no idea where it was going to go. It seemed like there was so much that had to go into it to make it happen. And I didn't know if we were even going to last doing it. Well, I am glad that like we past that I, I don't even know what to say about that like geez like what, what confidence you have in us gosh <laughs> no it's just one of those quotes that like I I'm kind of a pessimi- pessimistic optimist like I want to believe the thing is going to go well mm-hmm. but in my heart of hearts I'm just like everything's going to crash and burn all the time 24 7 like <laughs> I understand that. So, I mean, it's just one of those quotes that, like, when there's something big ahead of you and you feel like it's too much of an obstacle and you're not sure that you're going to make it, I like this quote because it's just like, you just have to tackle it and try and do your best. And at some point you'll realize, hey, I did it. And it feels good, doesn't it? It does. And yeah, and sometimes you just have to take the leap and just try and just look, look at what you can do when you try to do something, right? I'm glad we did not try to do the baking YouTube channel. I'm just going to be honest right now. <laughs> that would have ended so badly. <laughs> that would end ended faster than this, not going to lie. 
Uh, we would have gotten like two episodes and been like, we were stupid. This was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, this is too much effort. Let's stop. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I like that quote for when you see odds, you don't believe you can get through kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's your next one then? So this is another um, Frederick Bachman quote. This is from my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. I, I love this quote. Only different people change the world, Granny used to say. No one normal has ever changed a crapping thing. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. She is not wrong. Man, but it's just one of those, like, just a reminder that you don't have to be normal. don't have to be the star jock on the football team to be successful have to be the valedictorian to be successful you know you define your own success you change the world around you you make the effects and the ripples that will bring the change that you want to see mm-hmm. and you you know you don't have to be cookie cutter you don't have to go with the flow you can just be yourself and be different and that's good and I love that like it's just a good affirmation that I can be me and I'm a pretty weird ass person and that's okay. Yeah, I like it. I mean, if you think about literally anyone in history, just whoever comes to mind when you start thinking about history, those people were very obviously not normal. (laughs) And that's why they made history. Yeah. I like the not normal people. They're cool like that. They're more fun. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a really good book. Highly recommend if you have not read it. Also on my TBR, hopefully for this year. And yeah, I really liked it. All right, tell me your um. So your next quote, you kind of didn't put where it's from. Uh, that's because my next quote is also from Spinning Silver. Oh, okay, okay. I, okay. I liked them both so much that I just couldn't choose between the two, so I went with both of them. And uh, this one sort of ties into yours a little bit. The quote is, but the world I wanted wasn't the world I lived in. And if I would do nothing until I could repair every terrible thing at once, I would do nothing forever. And it's just, I love that quote because it's basically saying, yeah, if you look at the whole world, there's so many things that are terrible. There's so many things that should be changed, that need to be changed. But you yourself might feel like it's too much but you can't tackle it all at once because you're one person so you have to start where you are and I just I really enjoy that little reminder you know I feel like that applies well to a few areas of my life in particular household chores like laundry mm-hmm. because if you tackle it all at once you're gonna fail because pain is a lot of laundry to fold all the time mm-hmm You got to start with one basket. My big thing with household chores is if I've gotten behind on them and I feel like they're just overwhelming me, I'll look around and find something that I know I can finish in five minutes and I'll start it and I'll do it. And then that little area is clean and I suddenly feel better because, hey, I accomplished something and I do it again and I do it again. And eventually everything is clean again. And it feels good, right? Oh my God, I can't wait until 
I don't know. Maybe I just don't own anything. And then I'll never have to clean again. I like that idea. I'll just own nothing. And then I'll never clean. Nothing but books. Perfect. Yes. I just need two <laughs> pairs of underwear, two pairs of pants, and two shirts, and we'll be fine. Oh, one bra, though. One bra is fine. Uh, yeah, I, I could do that. Unless we just become libraries, and then we wouldn't need anything except the books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, one book on this boob and one book on this boob. And <laughs> kind of like Adam and even it with books, you know? Oh, no, I meant, like... My mind is going to just embody a library and I'm going to become a larger than life, non-physical entity and be a library. Okay. We went two different directions here, but that's great. I'm glad that we think very different ways. You became incorporeal. I became something else. You became the Eve of books. And they can be the atom of books, and it'll be great. Okay. <laughs> I like the incorporeal being because I don't have to dust anything. <laughs> okay, I like that too. All right, hit me with your next one. I could have sworn that you had a Discworld quote on here too. I did, but I changed it out. Okay. Because I decided I liked other quotes better. I was going to pick that a quote that you changed out, but I like this one too. I like, so that's fine. So this one is from Guards Guards. It's from Discworld. Several times, he had to flatten himself against the shelves. As a thesaurus thundered by, he waited patiently as a herd of critters crawled past, grazing on the contents of the twister books and leaving behind them piles of small, slim uh, volumes of literary criticism. And that's from Guards Guards, Terry Pratchett. Discworld series, book one, The City Watch. I love anything that involves the library. Anything that involves the librarian that's vimes creeping around the library in the first book right or the carrot which one's creep which one of them is creeping it's vimes in the it first is book. it is vimes mm-hmm. i love every single time that we end up in the library i mean come on a thesaurus thundering by perfect imagery mm. oh terry pratchett was such a wordsmith i loved that whole quote just that was so beautiful <laughs> i i know i know and i is anything any thing involves the library is quotable or the library in aquapur is quotable mm-hmm. i don't know the imagery of that it, it to me resonates to the fact like walking into library especially when i was little the magic of the library, the smell, the ambiance, the the dust particles floating, you know, through the sunbeams and when you walked in. Mm-hmm. And obviously Terry Pratchett is in a magical world, but to me, libraries are magic. And so whenever I read anything that Terry Pratchett writes about the libraries, I just and just whisk back to that feeling as a small child walking through the library picking out books to read oh for sure no that's my deep hidden hidden uh, meaning of that book that was a good choice all right we are coming towards the end thank you we're coming towards the end tell me what is your final quote of this all right my last one is from little women by louisa may alcott 
I'm not ambitious for a splendid fortune, but I know by experience how much genuine happiness can be had in a plain little house where the daily bread is earned and some privations give sweetness to a few pleasures. I am content to see Meg begin humbly, for if I am not mistaken, she will be rich in the possession of a good man's heart, and that is better than a fortune. I just appreciate that quote because I've never been the kind of person who wanted a huge fortune or lots of fame or anything along those lines. I just wanted a happy little home and a happy little family and just the ability to be content, Mm -hmm. you know? I agree with that. I always forget how good Little Women is as a book. Like, it's one of those that you read and you're like, oh, oh, that was really good. And then, like, just, like, thinking about that, too, it's like, yeah, I feel that. that don't need to have a fortune and just be happy living the average life, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I like my normal little life. I mean, it might be fun to travel the world and see all sorts of things, but at the same time, traveling the world, I would still want to come home occasionally, you know, like, oh yeah, it's just that happy, comfortable base where things are good and you know where you stand and yeah, there's nothing wrong with a simple life. And I think more people would be happy if they found contentment in such things. I think so too. Just a good quote. Just a good reflective quote. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not ending this with a um, reflective quote. I'm in it with one of my favorite scenes that I tried to make smaller, but I couldn't. Because if I said what I wanted it to be, it wouldn't make sense. So I got to read the whole thing. Reluctantly, I pulled out my necklace and showed it to them. Samuel frowned. The little figure was stylized. I suppose he couldn't tell what it was at first. A dog, as Z, staring at my necklace? A lamb, I said defensively, tucking it safely back under my shirt, because one of Christ's names is the Lamb of God. Samuel's shoulders shook slightly. I can see it now. Mercy holding a room full of vampire at bay with her glowing sheep. I gave his shoulder a hard push, aware of the heat climbing my cheeks. But it didn't help. He sang in a soft, haunting voice. Mercy had a little lamb. <laughs> yes. I love that. What, what I really wanted just to put was, I can see it now, Mercy holding a room full of vampire at bay with her glowing sheep. But I'm like, oh, you need some more context. L- let me just put the whole uh, whole scene in for you. It's okay. I didn't need the context. I I know you didn't, but I figured the listeners might need some context. But that is from Moon Call by Patricia Briggs, which is the first Mercy Thompson book. And I love I love how that, like how Patricia Briggs decided not to use a cross for the symbol of God. Mm-hmm. But literally a a little lamb token and that's gonna hold the vampires at bay. And I was like, okay, sounds perfect. I love it. Let's go for that. And just the fact that um Samuel's like, I'm just going to taunt you because, Mercy, you're silly. And it made me giggle. Yeah, that whole scene is very fun. I quite enjoyed that Patricia Priggs decided to go with something other than a cross. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was a good choice. I love it. Thank you. I wanted to end on a light and happy note. I really just wanted to end on, I can see it now, Mercy holding a room of vampires at bay with her lamb. Anyway, <laughs> this, this was a delight. It definitely made me explore what I had highlighted <laughs> all over. Goodreads, my Kindle. It made me think long and hard. I had a giant list of quotes and I had to pare them down. <laughs> and you're like, mm, we'll, we'll just calm down with these. Hold on. Even this evening, I had a quote from Guards Guards, but I was like reading through my list going, oh crap, I still have 12 quotes on here. Hang on. <laughs> and that's why my Guards Guards quote got cut, but. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Well, that is it for tonight. And we are so glad that you guys joined us. Abby has just little snippets for you before we go. And they're two really good little snippets. All right. Both of these quotes are from Little Women. I found them when I was doing my Googling. The first one is, if he is old enough to ask the question, he is old enough to receive true answers. I'm not putting the thoughts into his head, but helping him unfold those already there. These children are wiser than we are. And I just love that because I have kids and it reminds me that when they ask questions, I really should take the answers seriously, especially if it's a more serious question or a question you wouldn't expect them to ask. But yeah, I do believe kids should be told the truth as much as is age appropriate for them, especially if they're the ones asking the questions. And the other quote just kind of made me giggle because yeah, I'd rather take coffee than compliments right now. Me every day. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that coffee before compliments all day long. All right. Well, that is it for tonight. We will see you next week. You guys have a great one. All right. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N. O-I-T. And on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.